On today's show, I am joined by Ben Ladner, good friend of the podcast, to talk a little bit about the Hawks and the Eastern Conference. This is actually part one of two, and it's coming to you right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1657 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening here in late February. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. Also, I want to tell you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe to Locked on Hawks podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple, and Spotify, Amazon Music, Overcast, also YouTube on the video side. And today's show is mostly myself and Ben Ladner of the Read and React podcast talking all things Hawks in the Eastern Conference in two-part fashion. This is part one that you're about to listen to. Before we get to that, though, some news that has popped up on this Wednesday, and the big thing is A.J. Griffin is heading to College Park. So I've discussed this a lot in recent days. I'll do the short version now before I bring in Ben for the rest of the podcast and also into part two. But I theorized earlier this month and even into last month that Griffin was likely to go to College Park at some point after the All-Star break, after trade deadline as well. Landry Fields confirmed that essentially at his media availability a couple of weeks ago, post-deadline. And then AJ was officially assigned to College Park as of this morning on Wednesday. The Hawks don't actually practice as a big league club until Thursday in advance of the game on Friday. But College Park practice today and they actually play a game on Thursday afternoon. So if you listen to this podcast on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, College Park was at 1230 in Indiana against the against the Mad Ants on Thursday. As of now, we don't know for sure that he's going to play in that game, but assuming Griffin does play, it would be the first time that he's ever played in the G League. Although he, you know, he's 20 years old. It's interesting to kind of talk about AJ because he had this really exciting and positive rookie season where he was certainly much better than the average 19-year-old would be. And then this year's basically been a lost season to this point in time. It's been very odd, obviously. He had the rough start at the beginning of the season. He had the extended personal absence for a few weeks. And when he came back, it was very clear to everyone um, that he was essentially nowhere near the rotation. They've been essentially operating as if AJ was the last guy on their bench for the last several weeks. And, you know, you can sort of talk about that on the outside. I will always raise my hand and admit we don't we don't have the full story from the uh, from the outside. But needless to say, he needs to play basketball. That's something I've been consistent, consistent about for what, quite some time now is that he just hasn't played. The Hawks don't really practice a lot during the season because they're traveling, all that stuff. And you can do some scrimmaging off to the side with guys who don't play a lot, but there is no substitute for playing in actual basketball games that count. And he's not played in a game beyond garbage time for a long time. So it would be good for me, at least in my opinion, to get him to College Park, have him play some extended minutes, have the ball in his hands, get the rust knocked off. And honestly, I would guess he's going to be rusty. That's my guess, but we'll see. And look, as a reminder, AJ is still a very talented player. He has a great shooting. He has great shooting ability. He's 20 years old. That's younger than a lot of draft picks will be in the coming draft. So, like, no reason to write him off at this point. It's been a weird season, certainly, given the personal absence and all the stuff around it. It seems to be much bigger than basketball. But we'll see how AJ looks in College Park if he plays there in a game. And again, it could happen as soon as Thursday. And we'll come back to that more later on. Also, one PSA about this weekend on the podcast, a little bit of uh, network business here. Without boring you too much, the Lockdown Podcast Network, which of course is the purveyor of the show, they're changing hosting services for the audio-only platforms. So that handles Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Amazon and Overcast, et cetera. 
and that's going to happen over this coming weekend. That's out of my hands, obviously, well above my head. I will still have my usual podcast. The only reason why I'm telling you this, because normally if you weren't going to do a show over the weekend, it wouldn't matter, but I like to do shows after every game when possible. And the Hawks play on Friday night and on Sunday night. So I'm telling you this now because the podcast that I record this weekend will only be available on YouTube right away. Um, I'm going to put them on the audio platforms as of Monday, but if you want to listen in real time, either between games or after the game on Sunday, etc., the best place and really the only place to do that in real time will be on YouTube. So go ahead and subscribe and like the podcast on that platform. And then again, if you, if you want to wait for the audio product, I don't blame you necessarily, but a good place to kind of catch up in real time if you want to listen to that is on YouTube over the weekend and uh, a good place to kind of cross promote anyway, because people I'm sure not everybody listens to YouTube, not everybody wants to listen on their audio podcast platforms. Hopefully, the best, also the best thing you can do to support the show in general is to subscribe and auto-download and like and rate and review and spread the word for us. And uh, over the weekend, the next two shows after today's two part episode with Ben is Friday, Friday's game and also Sunday's game, and they'll be only on YouTube until Monday. So it should just be a one-time thing this weekend, but if you're wondering where the show is on your audio platform, that is why. And if you have questions about that, hit me up on all of the social media channels. Of course, Twitter slash X is the main place to find me and the show. You can find me there at BT Roland. Find the show there as well at Locked on Hawks. Please subscribe, rate, review, and uh, all that out of the way. We'll dive in right now to myself and Ben Ladner. Again, part one of two. So stay tuned for part two, and we'll see you in a second. But here we go with myself and Ben. I'm joined now by a good friend of the podcast, Ben Ladner. Ben, welcome back. It's been a while. I try not to bug you too much, but welcome back. Thank you. No, I'm glad you did bug me. It's it's great to be here. I'm happy to uh, be chatting about some basketball with you. Ben, we'll, we'll do this now. Ben is uh, one of the hosts of the Read and React podcast. Ben used to cover the Hawks on a regular basis. Now does not cover the Hawks on a regular basis, but is a, uh, a basketball observer, knows things about the NBA, watches lots of basketball, and uh, a good time for sort of a, uh, a catch-up of sorts. We're going to do a, we'll do a little Hawks, and then we'll talk about the East as well. I guess we should start with the Hawks. It's a Hawks podcast after all, Ben. Um it's been a weird season for the Hawks. Obviously, uh, part of the appeal of having someone who's not covering the team every day is like the external view. You know, like not not now you're now you're an outsider, Ben. Congratulations, thank you um, on that. Despite living in the city of Atlanta, what do you make of this? I mean, they're they're twenty four and thirty one. Um, I actually just as we're talking, um, I just shared some. It's kind of funny. Nobody cares about this, but the the TV ratings are way up for the Hawks this year, which makes no sense to me at all because mm. like they're objectively worse than they've been, and yeah. the vibes You're are kind bad. Of the same personnel too. Yeah, the vibes are kind of not good. I mean, I guess Jalen Johnson's the one different thing, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah. like, how are you feeling about the Hawks? Generally speaking, as someone who's not in the uh, grind every day. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I I feel like. I always kind of have the same thing to say when I come on, which which I think, again, That's speaks okay. to just the nature of the Hawks. I mean, this is it's been this way since I was a Hawks fan in my youth, like 15 years ago during the Joe Johnson era. You know, they're 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 not as good as those Joe Johnson teams were. No. But, I, you know, they're kind of once again in that it's squarely in that like Chicago, Brooklyn kind of Toronto this year tier of just disappointing Eastern Conference teams, like right below the playoff fray, still in the play in mix. But. Uh, re- at least record-wise, kind of separated from Orlando at the eight seed. Um, maybe a team we can talk about later. I've I've liked yeah. them, um, but yeah, they just it it. I, I was talking. We were we were talking on Read and React with John uh, a couple episodes ago, I think, and he asked among Brooklyn, Chicago, Atlanta, Toronto. He threw Orlando in there, which I think is fair qualitatively. You know, which of those teams would you would you pick in a playoff series or pick to make the playoffs or whatever? And I said, I think the Hawks are. Probably the most talented of those teams, I think, on paper, 
you could you could make a, a better case for maybe for them being the best team in that group than anyone else. But just in practice, it's just never it's never come together in the way it seems like it should based on the personnel. And there's always injuries are to blame for that. Chemistry is to blame for that. There are these ineffable things. There are these objective, observable things. Um, it's not it's not to point the finger. It's not not to do anything like that necessarily. But it's just like something always seems to throw this team off from what it seems like it can be coming into the season. And they always seem to show signs of what they can be at various points. I think they've done that at different moments this season. Um, kind of shown you what kind of team they can be, but it just never comes together in the way that it needs to for them. And so, you know, lo and behold, they're 24 and 31 <laughs> with the 22nd best net rating. And it's like, they're yeah. definitely not bad. They're definitely better than the worst teams in the league. No one would put them in the same class as like Charlotte and Detroit and San Antonio. Um, but, you know, I don't think anyone would also put the, would put them in the like definite play, play in team or playoff team tier either so they're they're just kind of in this very narrow band in the nba hierarchy today's show is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook and get buckets with your first bet now on fanduel america's number one sportsbook because right now if you're a new customer get 150 in bonus bets with any 25 dollar bet that's 150 bucks in your account if your bet wins bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and much more. And the FanDuel Sportsbook app is really easy to use. They have everything you're looking for across the sports betting space from over-unders to money lines to player props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe, it's secure, and they cover the entire range of sports as well. That includes college basketball and the NBA, NFL, college football, MLB, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, and much more. And they have all the angles they're looking for on the Hawks as well, including the full state of offerings, point spreads, over-unders, money lines, futures, player props for the Hawks, and much more. And now is an awesome time. So out with the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook, and the place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on. One more time, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on, and shoot your shot with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role that you have available. And that's why you check out the folks at LinkedIn Jobs. They have the tools they're looking for to help find the right professionals for your team. They do it faster and they do it for free. I've been on the hunt for hiring people a lot in my day job a few times before and also even recently. And LinkedIn Jobs has been huge in making that process really easy and much more efficient. It saves time and effort along the entire way. They know that small businesses are often wearing a ton of different hats and they might not have time or resources to find the perfect stuff that's needed to hire the right people. People and LinkedIn Jobs are not just another job board. They have a vast network of more than 1 billion professionals, which makes it the best possible place to find the folks that you're looking to hire. It gives you access to professionals that you can't find anywhere else, and they do it while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates, and it's so easy that 86% of businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours at LinkedIn Jobs, and they're also finding ways to make the process even easier for you. And two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can post your job for free by going to linkedin.com slash Locked on MBA. One more time, that is LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and I can already hear some people yelling at their uh, phones or computers that the Hawks just lost to the Hornets in decisive fashion on Valentine's Day. And they're going to, I made the mistake, or I shouldn't even say, I believe this to be true, but you'll find this funny. I, I did, I kind of went more, more negative than usual when the Hawks laid the egg against the Hornets. Yeah. And it was getaway day before the All-Star break, all that stuff. Quinn kind of just was baffled by it. And uh, Hornets fans found the podcast and they thought that I was insulting the Hornets. And I was like, well, guys, the Hornets are the worst team in the league by net rating this year. It's not like an insult to say the Hawks should have probably beaten the Hornets or at least been more competitive than that. Anyway, um, no, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, I'm in the weeds a lot on this podcast. It's it's on purpose. Like this is a it's a show designed for Hawks fans. 
and like I'm doing every game and all that stuff. Sometimes it's good to like take a step back. And I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the things I was going to ask you actually is like, you know, I've had this belief that you kind of just mentioned, like, you know, I think I, I wonder how this sounds to you. I feel like the Hawks best or even their like a minus is better than those teams you mentioned. Like, I think we've had proof of concept. Like, it might be for one game, it might be for a week, it might be for two weeks. You know, last year, this is, I don't want to make too much of one game, but they, they beat the Heat pretty soundly in a play-in game. And, like, that's a that's a high-stakes matchup. It's it's a play-in, I get that. But they, they went on the road to Miami and beat them soundly. And then Miami went on the run they made. And then you see the Hawks in these one-game scenarios this year where, like, they've beaten good teams. Like, they've played well against good teams. They took the Clippers to the brink two weeks ago. Like, they played Boston tight a few times. Like, their their highs are pretty high. It's just the consistency level, and that's been the most frustrating thing because I think, like you said, like, talent-wise, roster for roster, at least if they're healthy, their top eight is as good, and I would probably argue better than what Orlando has, than what um, Indiana might even have. Like, Miami is a different category, kind of, because of what they've done in the past, but, like, Talent-wise, the Hawks are probably better than the Heat. It's just that the Heat are the Heat, and they have Spo and this mm-hmm. wizardry that they have. But the, they're better than the Bulls. They're better than the Nets. Like, and and that makes it more maddening. I mean, I hear from Hawks fans all, all the time. Like, I am covering this team and being objective and kind of at a remove. Like, you know that. But I'm frustrated by them. So I can only imagine what like fans who are like super emotionally invested are because like it just doesn't make sense. If you watch every game, it's almost more maddening. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And even going back to last year's playoffs, they obviously had a, a tough start against the Celtics, but eventually took that series pretty deep. Yeah, they played and it, well. And it looked like the Celtics didn't really have an answer for what they were doing offensively. I think that speaks in large part to just the greatness of Trey Young offensively as a guy who, like, if you have anything close to like a, a reasonably talented supporting cast, he can kind of pull you to the offensive level that you want to be at. Um, and he's he's more or less done that this season. The Hawks. If to the extent that they are treading water right now, it's because of their offense, which yeah. is because of him. So, I mean, it, it all kind of comes back to him for me. Um, but even he has his shortcomings, and obviously the rest of the roster can be unreliable at times, too. And I, that's kind of the issue to me is just like, you know, what what separates good players from great players, great players from good teams in the NBA is just consistency. It's the ability to hit that 8, 9, 10 on the, on the scale pretty much every single night. And the Hawks, you know, they can get up to an eight or a nine, sometimes right. a 10, but they just have a lot of threes, a lot of fours, just a lot of eggs, like you said, against the Hornets. I remember going back to when we were covering together in oh, yeah. 2020. And that was, you know, they were a worse team then, but it was just like, they would play these, they'd play the Bucks tight one night. They'd, they'd play the Rockets really well. And then the next night they'd play the Grizzlies who were bad at the time. They'd play the Hornets who were still bad at the time. And it was, they just always played to the level of their competition. And it's, it's yeah. kind of that same issue to a, a different extent. Now they're, they're better against those bad teams, uh, but not, but not consistent enough to con- like uh, repeatedly put those teams away on a night to night basis, you know, and rack up those For easy sure. wins that you need to be a playoff team. Yeah, for sure. And I won't take you down the, the talking points that I always talk about, about, you know, the roster construction leaves something to be desired this year. Their depth is not what it should be. The luxury tax spending. I will save that for another podcast when you're not here, Ben, I I won't make you do that with me. Congratulations on that. Thank you. That you get to avoid that topic. Um, (laughs) You you did mention Trey. I don't want to make you talk about Trey young trade stuff because that has been the topic around here the last week or so. Mm. Um, You mentioned him on the court. I I wonder what you think about this too, because I, you know, I've been on this kick this year that I think 
you know, we've gone to this weird spot where Trey is underrated. And I'm, I'm shocked by that, but I think he really he pretty clearly is underrated now. And it's like a weird thing. Um, but him and DeJounte has been a talking point. Um, I, I think that I'm not sure it's been Trey's best year, but he's played some of his best basketball collectively when you throw in the defense. And I think, you know, nationally, especially it gets memed his defense. People think that he's still the guy he, that he used to be. And he's, he's just not. He's, he's not great. He's not Gary Payton or anything, but he's better than he used to be. And he's really got an offense. And it's just, it's hard for people to square that he could be playing some of his best basketball and the Hawks still be bad. I think that's I, I talked about actually this, this week earlier in this uh on the podcast with my friend Tower Jones, like there are two people that get the heat when teams underperform that have expectations. And it's usually the star player and the head coach mm-hmm. and the head coach. They just hired a year ago, like pretty much a year ago now. And he's respected and he's got a little bit of heat locally, but not a ton. It's still kind of the honeymoonish phase with Quinn. So it feels like Trey's approval rating, even locally is like lower than it's ever been. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. I guess it just literally wins and losses, I suppose. But again, from the outside, like, what do you think of Trey Young? Because like he he got, he got the All Star game, but he had to be an injury replacement. It's it's just weird. Like he's kind of on the edge of stardom in the way he's talked about, even though the play suggests that he's still a star. It's just that he's not talked about that way anymore. Yeah, he's an interesting player in that respect because yeah. he's he's gone back and forth on the overrated <laughs> underrated thing. Like Agre- almost, agreed. It's yeah. so weird. Like, like I, almost I, every season yeah. of his career. Yeah. No. I, not to cut you off, but it's like I've made the point. But I don't want to make it about me, but like he's the exact kind of guy that I would be drawn to thinking is overrated. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. At least the, the idea of Trey young as a small, all offense, no defense. That, that, again, that's a very broad, that's not what he, what, what he is anymore. But like that player does not appeal to me. Like I'm a defensive guy. I, I'm a, I'm a, on the, I'm on the, I'm on the margins guy. Like, but I think it's almost gone too far. It's like, you, you can't fake averaging 27 and 10 on good efficiency like that. You can't yeah. fake that. It's and being it's a the very central important. hub of what your team does offensively right. for, for a team that's good. I mean, not an elite offense, but a good offense, but a good one. Exactly. It's like, you know, I, there are guys who can put up empty stats. There's the whole empty stat conversation. And that, that is po- It's possible to put up empty stats. I'm not saying that. And maybe there are, I'm sure there have been nights in Trey's career when I would say that was, those were empty stats tonight. He wasn't, he wasn't very good, Yeah, but like, he does drive successful offense and he has for several years. And I don't think he's also responsible quote unquote for the defense being bad. You know what I mean? I think he's part of that. Sure. But like, you know, it's always so much, it's always so bad. You can be defensively as a guard to like ruin a team's defense. And I think that he's also pretty clearly gotten better to the point where like people talk about that, not just Hawks people, like people around the league, like kind of notice like, hey, Trey's more competitive than he used to be defensively. And it's a little bar to clear, but I don't know. It's just a, it's very odd. And I feel like I try to ask people that don't watch the Hawks every day what they think, because I feel like I don't I don't, I don't, don't want to be in my bubble too much. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, well, I, I just think he's, you know, he's a player with extreme strengths and extreme weaknesses. And I think anytime True. you have someone like that, it's the, the conversation is always a little off from. It, it always the, the way that not to get into like a, a meta analysis of modern media or anything, but just I mean, like why not? Why not? The way, <laughs> the way like discourse, you know, in, in in current society, I guess, works is just like, you know, there's only so much room for a certain amount of of nuance or perspective. And then the rest of it, just for whatever reason, just kind of gets pushed to the side. And so when you oh, have yeah. a player like Trey Young, who is so far on either side of the spectrum of strengths and weaknesses, it's like it's it's hard to find any kind of like middle ground there. And so all the evidence is either 
really supportive or really damning. And it's like you, you can make the case <laughs> either side depending on what you point to. And so yeah, um, he maybe that has to do with his reputation kind of swinging back and forth each year. A lot it's of it also be. has to do with just the team success, which, as you said, is not always correlated with individual play. I won't go on that whole uh, no. tangent about all-star selection <laughs> and whatnot. But um, that doesn't, it doesn't matter in the big picture. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you and I both... I, I listen to your show. I've talked to you many times off- offline. Like nuance is something that we both appreciate about the game and talking about the game and try to bring some of that. And it is hard. Like his, you know, on the on the archetype of him being like not only good versus bad, and there is nothing in the middle in the way that it's discussed. Um, you know how much like, there are degrees. Like mm-hmm. I, the way that I put it is, would I choose in a vacuum to build my franchise around a six one guard? Just that alone, I would. The answer is that to the, is no. If you have a choice between a six-one guard of any kind, or a or a wing, or a forward, maybe, or maybe a, center, a Slovenian six-eight. Uh, well, that's a whole other thing. But you know, <laughs> sure. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and Passion. Drive and patience are what bring home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you're looking for to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for at eBay Motors. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber and crucially not burning cash with all the parts that you need at the prices that you're looking for. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win that you are seeking. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. One more time, the place to go is ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. You'll appreciate this because I haven't talked to you about this in a while. I get accused of being like a Trey Homer now, which is so funny mm. because like I was never, I mean, I was, if anything, I was seen as being too low on Trey for most of his youth and like my opinion on trey has not changed that much i think it's pretty much the same like i think his defense has gotten better and that's that's certainly noteworthy and i think he's playing he's playing winning basketball more now than he was as a like as a rookie second year player i think he's matured a lot as a as like a human like he's married with a kid and like you know he's he's an adult now in a way he wasn't Mm -hmm. before but like it's just interesting to me like I don't think he's a top five player in the league. I don't think I, I think it'd be hard for him to get there because it's just he's limited in what he can do. And there is this whole discussion that we could probably do for an hour that we won't do about like how hard it is to build around a six one guard with even if he has improved defensively, his limitations are never going to go away. And that is hard. But also you can say that he's also really good at being that guy. You know, it's it's this really interesting to your to use your word and mine often nuanced discussion that it's hard to have. Yeah, and it's it's also true that the good things still have value even when yes. the 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 drawbacks uh, draw you back. Um, yep. You know, it's like that the fact that he's not a good defender doesn't cancel out the fact that he's a great offensive player. It just means that both of them exist, and you know, you have to parse <laughs> yeah. out like which is more valuable and when is one thing more valuable and when is it the other outweighing that. It, like playoffs versus regular season, I think as as those two things become more and more different, like a player like Trey maybe is more subject to this polarization because in the regular season, he can get you to a certain level offensively. And then maybe that doesn't work as well in the playoffs or vice versa. Maybe he's a player who yeah. like his team underperforms in the regular season, but then you get to the playoffs and he can really carry it's your J- offense. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You know, like, and I, it's, it's actually ironic because Trey was so good in their, their one long playoff run. He was great. And I think that performance 
quieted a lot of the talk about what his limitations were because he was so good and like they were and people kind of forget like they they pushed the they pushed the bucks in that series they they, yeah. they weren't like about to win it but it was they were competitive in that conference finals against the eventual champions but then the next year he had a disastrous playoff series against miami he was awful like awful yeah. and i think he if anything he probably got he probably should have got more heat about how bad he was so it's like that it kind of goes in it and i mean him versus and they played the heat now in a playing game in a playoff series, Jimmy Butler is the exact opposite player where like mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, I've always felt, especially recently is like very, very, very overrated in the regular season, like extremely overrated mm-hmm. in the regular season. Still really good, but like he doesn't drive you for 82 games, but in the playoffs we've seen Jimmy Butler is fantastic. Like he, he can, he's carried them in a way. And it's like, he's the archetype of a guy who's a little bit older, of course, but he's a six, seven wing and he's bulky and gets to his spots and he can defend and all this stuff. And then obviously it's not just one, one V one, but it's just an interesting kind of parallel because we've seen the Heat and the Hawks play a bunch recently, and like that kind of popped in my mind when you said that because like he's the he's kind of they're not opposite players, but he's the archetype of the guy who is way better in the playoffs in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's it's ultimately there are just very few players who can do what he can offensively, what, what yeah. Trey can do offensively. And so in that sense, he's he is a top five player, top six or seven player, just in that narrow band of offensive, offensive engines player. who can drive. Yeah. yeah, on that end of the floor. And then you you throw in all the other stuff and it becomes a more nuanced discussion. But like that, that fact is what it is. And that's a really valuable thing. And and you can talk about, well, does it get outweighed by this and that? And it's like, would you rather have Trey versus whomever? And it's it's like, OK, you can get into that. But sure, if you don't have Trey Young, like you, your offense will be worse in all likelihood need to yeah. find that skill set elsewhere right so it's like would you rather have trey's skill set and have to find the skills that he doesn't have elsewhere or would you rather get those other skills that you're never going to have from him but have to make up that offensive firepower somewhere else and that's like that's a question that nba gms have been asking for decades you know it's not a it's not a new idea but he's just such a Again, just the, the prominent strengths, the prominent weaknesses. Um, it just makes for it makes it very easy to kind of uh, take take a, a hard line stance against the other side. You know. Oh, for sure. And we can move on from this, but I uh, just because it's popping in my head when we're talking. Um, nothing is more annoying to me than the uh, than the reply guys who will tell you that he gives back all the all the games on offense on defense. That, uh, yeah. that, that's that's not a thing that exists. Well, I'm so sorry. I was I was curious about this because, you know, the Hawks defense obviously is not good this year. It is not. It's, it's quite um, it's in fact, Ben, it's quite bad. It's quite, many it's, would it's, say it's quite bad. It's bad. <laughs> yes, um, I, I think I'm wondering and I don't know this for sure, but I'm wondering if if maybe it's time to re- just as a as a broader like NBA media body or thinking body to, to reevaluate the idea that you alluded to it earlier about how much guards can really hurt your defense on the perimeter. Because I think for a long, and I've subscribed to this too, and I, I still kind of do to an extent, but there was this idea that like, well, you know, yes, Trey young is a terrible defender. And like, there are these, these low lights that you can point to, and he's obviously doing nothing defensively, but based on the value of that position on defense, him being like the worst defender in the NBA at that position doesn't actually hurt you that much because that's a, a pretty, a relatively unimportant defensive position. And you can kind of get that defensive value back in other positions. And I wonder if that's the case, still the case, whether that was ever the case to the extent that we said, like, I'm trying to figure out, I guess, if the game has changed in a way that has made that less true, mm. whether that was just not as true as we thought back then, or whether it, 
is still true and the and i just don't have enough evidence yet to really make up my mind one way or the other but i do think it's interesting with the hawks you know now surrounding him with a little bit more defensive personnel you look at some of the other worst defenses in the nba they also have some of these these even like a team like the pacers is an interesting example because they do have miles turner and yet you know they're they're kind of porous perimeter defense shaky uh, on ball defense has yeah. kind of gotten them down near the hawks defensively so i'm wondering is it time to reevaluate this idea do we not have enough evidence what you know what, what's no. the verdict on this i don't know if it's out yet yeah i don't think it's out and also I, I think it's also important to like note what else you have it's almost like do you have someone on your roster that can do what you need you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. not like one guy who can't do it because you know Halliburton and Trey are very similar because Halliburton has, no matter what, anybody, like Halliburton has been really actively bad defensively. Yeah, and you know he's still a great player, but like that has hurt them. Um, and he's not alone. They had you know they had Buddy Heald who's been, he's not there anymore, but he he's quite bad on defense. Ben Matherin's quite bad on defense. Like they have several guys in Indiana who are not very good, and the Hawks too. Like you know not to um, we're not going to do the Murray thing, but the Murray's not been great defensively at times. Sadiq Bay. Not great. Bogey at this current point. Love you, Bogey. Mm-hmm. Quite bad. Um, so it's like, do you have do you have point of attack? It's not like one guy, but like, right. do you have players who can guard, who, who can defend small guards? Do you have de- you have players who can defend bigger wings? Like, it's almost for me, it's that. I, I, I agree with your your premise, like being interesting, because I'm not sure where we are on that, especially because there's this whole talking point around the league. And it's true to some extent, like that you're quote unquote not allowed to defend anymore. Like the, the Draymond's the yeah. tour he's been on about this, and it's it's kind of true. It's yeah. kind of true. Like yeah. you can't you can't put put your hands on guys. It is harder than it's ever been to defend. And but everybody has that problem. You know what I mean? It's not like you're not the only team that has that problem. Everybody has right. the same problem. So um, I think it's personnel. I think their scheme. And also, you, you mentioned Miles Turner. You know, for the Hawks, like they haven't been good anywhere defensively. I mean, you, I mean, their their centers are pretty good, but Clint Capella is not the guy he was three years ago. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. So like, they don't have any area where you could say that's a really great defensive spot on this mm-hmm. roster. Um, that hurts. That that hurts too because you can't yeah. you can't you can't like your identity is nothing. You don't have an identity defensively. It's just like right. you're trying to figure it out all the time. It's always a it's always a fire drill and like there's no real strength to kind of lean on heavily. Yeah. And I should be clear. I'm, I'm not putting the entire, and I know you're not saying, Oh yeah, that, not, no, I know for people, people's clarity, yeah. not putting the entirety of the Hawks 27th ranked defense on Trey young. A lot of that. And it's you know, no, it, it's definitely not on him. And also like, I know I just want to say it one more time. Somebody yells at me, Trey has gotten better. Like yeah. it's very clear. He's been better this year, but to your point and all about all this, the team has not improved yeah. defensively and it, that's not on him, but it's, you know, it's it's everything, man. It's it's really hard to watch, and I could do an hour with you on the on Hawks defense. We're not going to, yeah. Do that. But it's uh, it's been tough. Well, and Capella isn't the same guy, like you said. No. He just doesn't move the same way. He's older. You got a second year coach, still clearly kind of trying to put in a system. Um, you have like Jalen Johnson shows defensive flashes a lot. I, DeAndre Hunter, I still think has certain strengths defensively, even if he's not a perfect defender. Yeah. Um, so they have these guys like who can do some things defensively, but ultimately like Capella not being the same guy probably has as much to do with this as anything else. Maybe the For scheme sure. might be the other thing. Well, and they're, they're only time not the, this is my, me playing the hits, but the one time that they've ever been, even decent on defense for any length of time was in 2021. And I thought Capello was playing at like a top five defender in the league level. Yeah. And that's, and that's like how that season. And that's the, and to, to your point, that's the only time they've ever been good enough. And that's not a coincidence. It's because Clint was covering up everybody else. Like yeah. they've never had great personnel defensively. Yeah. It, there are lineups when they have, if you're trying to play Hunter, if you play Hunter Johnson in a center, okay. 
we're getting we're getting there. Um, but they don't have that, that's one. They have one lineup like that. Mm-hmm. They don't have. And then and even then you don't have guards like even when they had Delon, a guy like Delon Wright, who I, of course, love. But they don't even have that ace. I mean, Kobe Buffkin might be like, but he's a rookie. I mean, he's not yeah. even playing. And they don't have even the, the bench guard this year to even throw out there. Like they've had guys like that in the past. They don't even have that guy. So it's like there's no I mean, they have Trent Forrest, who's on a two way contract at camp. Right. So it's a uh, yeah, it's a it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride. But I also wonder, you know, with Capella, how much of it is the Gobert thing, Utah versus Minnesota, where when he his last couple of years in Utah, he looked worse because all of the personnel around him was worse. Yeah. And so and now that he has actual physical, strong quick on-ball defenders on the perimeter guess what he looks a lot better I, it's hard to parse that with capella I, and it's not as pronounced yeah. to the same degree um but i wondered how much of it is just age and decline from him and how much i, I think it's i think it's that i think it's mostly just his he's uh to make that comparison like he was never as good as rudy but rudy also has better tools than clint oh totally like, Ru- yeah. rudy's just so much bigger and longer and like He's lost probably even even now he's playing at great level. Rudy Gobert, I'm talking about. He's still not the same, quite the same guy he used to be. I don't think defensively, mm-hmm. where he was the clearly the best player in the league defensively. Clint, his superpower other than rebounding, which he's still great at, was always his speed. He was so fast compared to other centers, and now he's he's just not anymore. Now he's like average when it comes to that, and he's not he's not that big. I mean, he's he's six ten. He's not a seven. He's not seven one. He's not seven two. Yeah. And like, you know. Um, and you have a Congo who's, who's good too, but he's he's limited too. He's he's six eight, six eight, six nine, and he's not. You know, he has his issues. And I think he's I think he's already a good defender, and he'll get better. But they don't have that superhuman guy. I think if you had put Clint from twenty one on this team, they wouldn't be twenty seventh. I'm not saying they would be good defensively, but they they would be better than this. Um, and but that's only one guy, and really. That can only be a center. You can, you can really only build your defense that way if it's if it's a center that's a that's an absolute monster. Like that's yeah. not really something you can build around. I mean, unless you have prime Rudy or Clint doing a Rudy impression for three months, it, like a one perimeter defender doesn't do that. Yeah, it, it can't. So, right. Anyway, we're off the rails. All right, that is all for part one of two of myself and Ben Ladner. Please subscribe to the podcast. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify and YouTube, etc. Keep in mind what I said at the beginning of the podcast about the uh, little bit of a downturn over the weekend when it comes to the audio-only platforms, but we'll be back up and running as of Monday. And also, please subscribe to the show on YouTube because the podcast will be available there right away over the weekend, Friday and Sunday. Tell a friend about the podcast. Follow us on Twitter slash X at LockedOnHawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland, as well as all of my written content about the Hawks at Patreon.com slash BT Roland. And with all that said, we'll see you all next time and stay tuned for part two.